And so we talk about love in esoteric terms. We talk about love in practical, down-to-earth terms. We talk about love because we are relationally driven beings. And whether you're here or whether you're on the other side of the universe, you reach out for something. You reach out for a connection. You reach out for something more. And that something more is always happening relationally. And the essence of that something more was written in the very beginning because God always destined for us to know something more about his love for us and about who he is and about how he's at work in our lives, even though our lives have so many, what I like to call, ups and downs and and in-betweens, even though we get thrown curveballs and and knuckleballs, even though we, we have illogical summaries of answers that sometimes don't seem to add up to anything significant. God says, I am doing something significant always in you and through you. I am always with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me take you back to a a time when relationships began. In his poem, Eve, Keith Deal writes a story of, of color and of passion, of nuanced feelings. It comes from his book, Flutus, where he, he writes all these different stories about real life and real connection and real hopes and real dreams and real agony. Eve. I used to walk these paths alone. I saw with these eyes all he had done. I was waiting for something, something so sweet. And when I first saw you, all was complete. Walk with me. Take me by the hand. Speak to me. Help me understand. I reach down and cover your eyes. We hear footsteps. See his image in the skies. We spin in circles, dance through the night. Breathe one breath, one heartbeat, one thought in mind. Eve, what have you done with my heart, my hearts? Where have you cast my soul tonight? Eve, How did I stay so blind to it all? These steps we've taken, one great fall. How does life go on when the only way from here is down? My body buckles when I think of his face. Things are changing. We're dying in this place. I reach down, pick you up, wipe a tear from your eye. We gather pieces of brokenness left scattered by the lie. The only way, as we make our way now, is to create our dreams. Make it a life somehow. And Eve, you carry our hope in your soul. And for his sake, never let your love turn cold. Eve, what have I done with your heart, your heart? Where have I cast your soul tonight? Eve, how did I stay blind to it all? We've taken these steps into one great fall, Eve. And so God created relationship and and he wanted with all of his being for us to know him. And he created us in a place that was beautiful and wonderful and marvelous and incredible and overwhelming in all of its 
giving of grace and love. And yet, in that fall from, from grace, there was a lostness. In that fall from grace, there was a, a disconnection that came. And so we, we find ourselves coming into this world somehow knowing we're disconnected from him and, and yet knowing we need that connection. We need that something more. And so he provides that for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He provides connection again. And that's why John writes about being born again, born from above, born anew, because this is the connection that will drive our lives. This is the relationship that will sustain us and renew us and recreate us. And we need to have that relationship so that we can build right relationships with each other. And yet the struggle goes on and the tension is there. And we must understand where this all begins and where this is all going. And so I give you one more time my presuppositions for all things relationship. God loves you too much to let you get stuck in mediocre relationships. All relationships are works in progress. They're far from perfect and will never be perfect. All relationships face internal and external challenges to their integrity. The best relationships are works of art. If you're not changing and growing, you're not living. So we live in the most technologically sophisticated generation in history. We're connected by countless streams of information and communication. We have searched and studied relationships more than any other nation on the planet. We watch more shows, see more movies, read more books about who we are and what we want than anyone could have ever dreamed of 50 years ago. And yet there's still such an enigma to us. Friendships, marriage, the church, parenting, work. God made us relational. God sustains us relationally. We can choose to have fast food relationships in life, hit and run relationships, or we can have the gourmet fare. We just have to figure out how it all works. Some lives work, others don't. I want yours to work. So let me take you this morning to a chapter of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. I love those pithy sayings of wisdom. They just click, 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 and they try to attach themselves to your life, just like, like you're one side of the Velcro equation and, and the proverb is the other side, and they're trying to, to, to mesh together with your life and, and hold on and, and change you and change you. So let me take you through these verses 11 through 20 of Proverbs 25 this morning. Then we're going to pull out five relationship builder principles. Proverbs 25. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. Like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. If you find honey, 
Eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. And so these Proverbs are kind of like the answers to a question. Is there anything else? Is there anything else I need to know? Is there anything else I need to do? Is there anything else that I might be missing in my pursuit for something more, for something that's bigger than my life itself? In his book, Nine Things You Simply Must Do to Succeed in Life and Love, one of my favorite all-time books, and I give this book away a lot, Henry Cloud wrote, here's all you have to do to ruin every relationship in your life. Play fair. If you play fair, you'll ruin all of them. Some may go pretty quickly. Others may take longer. But in the end, you will succeed. Play fair and all your relationships will be ruined. Before we get back to picking that statement apart to find out what he means, let me, let me build into your lives five relationship builders which can give you something more. And maybe these are also the answer to the question, is there anything else? All of these are coming out of this chapter 25 of Proverbs. The first one, 25 11, I will give you in the New King James Version, and then all the rest will be in the NIV. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. This is the principle of the golden word. The principle of the golden word. This is knowing the right thing to say at the right time. It's knowing also when not to talk. We live in an age of so much talking. I long for moments when there are not voices, when there isn't a cacophony of voices saying umpteen different opinions and and giving a million different statistics and just filling up the air. Can you imagine the sports show intentional talk without talking with just two guys sitting at a desk just looking at you or looking at each other, it might just be glorious. You could read the side panel by yourself and think whatever you want. It's knowing when not to talk. And this is such a beautiful thing also in a relationship because usually if somebody's talking, we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next, maybe to, to counter what they're saying or to, to bring the argument to our side of the equation. The principle of the golden word says it's knowing the right thing to say at the right time. It's also knowing when not to talk and how to speak beauty into someone's life, how to speak the colors of, of encouragement into someone's life. I was with one of the preeminent business trainers in the country this week for about an hour and a half in a, in a seminar. And, and this guy waxed eloquent from one moment in that hour and a half to the very last minute in that hour and a half. But there was one 
moment that lasted less than a minute that still stands out to me right now. And I never quite heard this put this way before, and maybe you heard it before, and somehow I missed it. In all my years, I, I missed it, but this is what he said. He stopped in the middle of the presentation, and he said, do you know how you can recognize someone who needs encouragement? And I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. And then he, he paused and then said just like this. If they're breathing, if they're breathing. I told this to somebody out in the, in the bistro after the first service, and, and, and they said, they answered it, if they have a heartbeat, if they're breathing. Everybody needs encouragement. So how do you use this principle of the golden word to speak beauty into someone's life? Beauty instead of being judgmental. Beauty instead of a, a critical spirit. Uh, how do you speak beauty into a child's life? Sometimes it's just being with them and not saying anything how to speak beauty, when not to say what may be fair and right in deference to proper timing. If someone's in tears, it might not be the time to say what's fair and right to say. The golden word guided by the Holy Spirit is the most powerful communication on earth. And when we use this in our relationships, it can be transformative. The golden word guided by the Holy Spirit. These two things coming together is the most powerful communication on earth. So where do we pray? Oh God, give me the golden word. And where do we pray? Oh God, help me to know if right now is the time to just be silent. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Proverbs 25, 12. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. This is the principle of surgical mentoring. The principle of surgical mentoring. And surgical mentoring must be done carefully, must be done also with the right timing. But surgical mentoring knows that what I'm going to do in this person's life is to intentionally change them by helping them to see where they're just spinning their wheels, by helping them to see where their, their words or their behaviors are, are destructive. I'm going to help them by surgically, gently removing something from their life that's going to make them better. Remember I talked to you about being pro-better and how we want to use that in our culture to be pro-better? Well, this this proverb, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold, is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. This is a pro-better proverb. And notice it says, to a listening ear. Scripture over and over talks about a wise person is one who receives this rebuke and changes as a result of it. And the only godly response to this wise judge is really Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for seeing that in me. Thank you for seeing a weakness in my life that, that I was missing. Thank you for caring enough about me to help me be a better person. There's a, a chart that I'd like to, to put up here. It's a rudimentary chart. 
It's a hand-drawn chart, and I, I did this, and, and this is all after taking all the art classes and everything that I, I took in high school. This is it. Um, this is the peak right here. Uh, so I was with Henry Cloud also this week for about an hour and a half, and Henry drew a chart that was similar to this, and, and so I've sort of adapted his little chart. Um, you know, there's a line down the middle on one side. He had leadership, on the other side he had reality. I put faith on my left side, and over on the faith side of life, there's, there's Bible study, there's prayer, there's church, there's life group uh, experiences, there's ministry, there's missions, and, and if, if that just could be what we do all the time and just go smoothly, it would be great. The problem is, and Henry brought this out in our time together, there's this other side to life, which is reality, where there's questions like, why? Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you let that happen? Why are we doing this? Then there is just stuff, the stuff that just happens that you sometimes have no control over, and then there are the issues that we bring. Issues because of the way we think. Issues because of the way we grew up. This is how mom and dad always did things. Isn't this how you do things? Well, I had a different mom and dad, and we kind of did that differently or thought about it differently. And, and so much stuff in reality gets us all, you know, wrapped around the rear axle, and we can't quite figure it out. Um, but then Henry says, but where I live is in this middle space. And, and when he said that, I realized, well, I kind of live there too, where there's growth and maturity. And you've got to have everything on the left, but you also have to bring the reality to bear on who you are so that you grow, so that you mature, so that you develop spiritual maturity, you develop relational maturity. And this is why the principle of surgical mentoring is so important, because this is what gets you there. This is what brings both sides of the equation together. When somebody helps you to do that, you say, thank you. Thank you. Proverbs 25, 13. I love how it starts out. Like a snow-cooled drink. Everybody's always wanted to have you know, a cool drink. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. This is the principle of delivering the heart of the matter. If you can get to the heart of the matter and you can, and you can deliver that to a meeting, you can deliver that to a family table, you can deliver that, that to a good friend, you can deliver that to the board meeting, or the strategy meeting. You could deliver that to your students in, in a classroom. If you can get that cool drink delivered, it's always going to refresh people. It's always going to, to honor people because the truth at the very core is honoring. It calls to attention the most important things. I had a friend who, before he retired and moved to Florida, used to say, uh, as I sit here and listen to a message, I'm always looking for the nuggets. And if I can get the nugget, then I have something that I can go with. I have something that I can run with. And this is what the cool drink is. The cool drink is this nugget of truth. God's got a nugget of truth in at least one of these five 
relationship builder principles this morning for you. And, and if you're thinking about it and you're praying right now, God, help me to see which one I need to walk out the door with because I'm going to need it this week. That's that refreshment. When you have that, you have a treasure. When you have that, you have something that you can build your week on, that you can go into a relationship this week with something that's refreshing to someone, and they can gain life from that, and they can gain hope from that. It can be a very, very special time for that. I got to sit with a good friend the other day and just to, to be with him for a little while and to let our being together just be a refreshment to us. And delivering the heart of the matter is something that we need more than we think we need it. But sometimes you have to first grab the nugget of the truth to find the refreshment. This is the principle of delivering the heart of the matter. Proverbs 25, 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. This is the principle of measured gentleness. God's way is a measured, gentle way. He has a measured, gentle way with us. He has a way of working with us that spans decades, that spans months and years and and beyond. He looks at our entire lifetime and says, I'm going to take you from where you are to where I want you to be, and I am patient about that. And he wants us to learn to be patient with each other. I love the picture of the proverb, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. In other words, there's so much power in gentleness. There's more power than you can think of in gentleness. The Bible also says in Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath. It's another way that that this principle is revealed in our lives. So who do you need to be gentle with this week? Where is there a relationship where you've been sort of pushing and you've been kind of, you know, trying to make something happen by force where you have to say, I'm going to get on the patience side of it now. I'm going to get on the gentleness side of it now. I had a, a, a mentor one time um, 30 years ago, and he said, Michael, it's really all about gentleness. And he was talking about ministry, and he was talking about mission. And, and so often we get an idea and we want to ram something through. Uh, the times when I have learned to be gentle, the times when I have learned patience, have been more wonderful than I can even describe. You know, I am not by nature you know, wanting to be gentle. I am not by nature wanting to be patient, be quiet over there, Uh, I am, you know, I want to get something done. I want to check this box and get it out of the way. We got more stuff coming down the pike. God's saying, be patient. Let me have room to work. Where do you need to let God have room to work in your life right now? That's a question that would arise out of that proverb. Where do you need to, to step aside? Let God do this. Step, step back. Let God walk into the picture. Where do you need to see, to see how gentleness can break something down in a way that you could never break something down? There's somewhere in your home life, 
in your relational life, in your business life, where that is going to pay dividends this week if you take it and start to build with it. The principle of measured gentleness. And then finally, it's almost funny. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you, and they will hate you. This is the principle of self-awareness and good boundaries. Are you self-aware enough to know when, when you're just saying too much over and over and over again the same things? Are you self-aware enough to know that, that you have asked and asked and asked and asked and, and you have worn somebody out with your asking or you've pushed and pushed and pushed yourself into a, a team or into a, uh, in a staff meeting or with your spouse and it's just time to go, I need to just stop. Somebody did this to me in a meeting the other day. I just thought about this. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mention it in the first service. I, I was in, in a leadership team meeting and, and I was sort of saying some stuff and this person had the presence of mind to say to me, just stop. <laughs> and I thought, that is so great. <laughs> I loved it. I sent, I sent this person a text later. It was so great when you told me to just stop. So the next meeting, the same thing happened. Just stop. It's becoming like a pattern now. You know, it's becoming like a, a regular weekly gift to me. Just stop. And, and I need to be told that because I'm that kind of a person. I, I need somebody to say, just stop, because these things start to roll together. There's a measured gentleness. There's the principle of delivering the heart of the matter. There's a, there's a golden word somewhere. There's a, a surgical mentoring moment. Uh, just stop is kind of like a surgical mentoring moments. It all kind of fits together. And uh, these five relationship builders are a basic toolkit for building long and solid relationships, long-lasting and solid relationships. Just look at the opposite of these relationship builders and see what happens when we don't use these principles. Here's what happens. Words of discouragement and anger Critical words and sarcasm tear down relationships. Allowing people to continue in destructive patterns sets up relational failures. Not being sensitive to the contexts of a meeting can bring misunderstanding into relationships. Too much pressure in negotiation can impede negotiation. Self-serving expectation and motivation build frustration and disengagement. So let's go back to what Henry Cloud was saying. Here's all you have to do to ruin every relationship in your life. Play fair. If you play fair, you will ruin all of them. Some may go pretty quickly. Others may take longer. But in the end, you will succeed. Play fair and all your relationships will be ruined. What Henry Cloud is saying is that you can't approach every relationship with the same set of responses. You can't have relationship based on your terms. You can't experience relationships one-dimensionally. You can't play tit-for-tat. 
He's affirming that relationships are complex interactions between people that are multi-layered and investment intensive. And so the opposite of playing fair like a one-size-fits-all relationship paradigm is to, with grace and with humility and prayer, take these principles from Proverbs and, and weave them with gentleness and weave them with humility into the relational demands of your life. See each relationship as unique and an opportunity for you to paint a whole new picture. Each relationship you're in is a customized work of art. Each relationship deserves a special approach. You can't treat every child in a family the same. They were all created different. They were all different. I took Psychology 101 back in uh, you know, 1968. Psychology 101, I was so excited. I'm gonna figure out how everything works. And, and I didn't figure out, like diddly squat, you know, I couldn't even figure out myself. And so, uh, so I got home and, and my mother, we had five children in our family. Our basic job was drive mom crazy, and we did. And, and so she would, she said to me, you are taking psychology. We're standing right at the sink one day. You are taking psychology. Why are all of the children that I had different? I said, Mom, I have no idea. I just have no idea. Each, each of us deserve a special approach, just like each of your children or each of your grandchildren or each of your friends' children deserve a special approach that is customized to who God made them, to the gifts that God has, has put in them. And God put gifts in each of us. From the moment we were born, we were endowed with gifts that God put in us. They're encoded into our DNA. They're in the neurons of our brains. Each relationship is defined by how much time you spend developing it. The answer to that question for kids, how do kids spell love? Time. Each relationship is defined by how much time you spend developing it. Each relationship will be tested by internal and external challenges to its integrity. And there will always be challenges. That's why you need relationship builders. Without relationship builders, you will get knocked down. You will not be able to get back up. And so, the principle of the golden word, the principle of surgical mentoring, the principle of delivering the heart of the matter, the principle of measured gentleness, and the principle of self-awareness and good boundaries will stand you well through the course of your life. If you want something more, if you want something more, do these relational principles in every area of your life every day. And there is a final letter to our series. And it's to you. Dear friends, at some point you were desperately seeking something and it turned out to be me. All of your searching ended. I zapped your heart. You may still see the trail of my light illuminating your mind. You opened your eyes and I began to change you. I'm still at that work today. You are changed and you are changing. You must continue to change. You must grow up. Spiritual and personal transformation are so very tightly connected, and yet it's important to remember that they are distinctly different. 
I didn't say they exist separately, just that there are distinctive qualities to each. Spiritual change comes from knowing Christ. He teaches you by the Holy Spirit what you need to know and what you need to do with your life. This is your calling, your purpose, to be like him. You are led into my will through spiritual transformation. Personal transformation is when you learn about hurtful behaviors and attitudes that were pressed into you and you decide to lay them aside with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit presides over both transformations and connects both, but you must choose to let go of things that are holding you back from relational integrity. If you attend a Bible study and get angry at someone immediately afterward, that's an indication of the spiritual personal tension. If you want to show love and yet you hold back, again, there's something that needs your attention. You must choose to work on this the rest of your life. It's the dilemma of this broken world. Significance happens when you begin to let go of your demands in order to live for my glory. When you loosen your grip on your stuff and see people the way I see them, I see them redemptively. I see them worthy of great sacrifice. I cherish them. I want them all to come to me. When you plan and pray and sacrifice for others, you write a legacy of the soul. This legacy of faith is the most powerful script of all your journeys. It tells the tale of your dreams and what you were willing to move mountains for. It is your passion and humility wrapped in one package given as a spectacular gift to the next generation. The seeds of your significance were planted by Christ. He rained grace upon it and tended it. He pruned it. Significance is us. Your significance is what we are growing together, serenaded by Holy Spirit thunderclaps you only hear when you are very still. So keep watch. Keep bringing your faithful heart to each day. Learn from my sideways answers, holy reasons, and rock your world kingdom adventures that must shatter the old to create the new. Hear the roar of forgiveness. Embrace our significance. Feel the tinkering of my spirit. I will always be your something more. God. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are the something more that our hearts yearn for. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. Father, help us to, to be attentive to the whispers of the Spirit. Help us to be malleable to the directions of the Spirit as the Spirit tries to mold us in the image of Christ so that we would have his character, his heartbeat, his passion for the world. Heavenly Father, now take us into a future where faith and reality come together each and every day. Take us into a new day where we bring to bear these, these principles of building relationships in ways that transform us and transform the lives around us. Father, we give you our lives. We give you our lives for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.